Amen. So we are literally in part two of our series called Vision, okay? So last week, we talked a little bit about church vision and what we are here for, why Resurrection Life Church exists on the, on the corner of 40th and Washington. And literally, it's because we want to just bridge gaps between people and Christ. You know, my wife and I, we, every time we share with the group or have an opportunity to talk about why we do what we do today on earth, it's because we believe that there are two eternal things in this entire world and in our lives, and the rest is temporal. And that is people and the word of God. And we talked last week about how we uh, just want to bridge gaps between those two and bring them together. Because the moment they come together, Christ just, it just totally takes over in their life. You know, I shared my personal testimony on how there was a bridge built before my wife and I, when we were just dating at the time back in 2005, for, to just be introduced to Jesus Christ. You know, we had a couple of friends that, that paved that way and helped build that bridge, and we just took the opportunity just to walk it across. And when we took those steps, we had an encounter with Jesus, okay? We had an encounter with Jesus to the point where just things started going, um, and we started growing and learning in Christ who we were. And then we talked a little bit about last week on, on uh, why we do church in general. You know, wh why do we meet up on a Sunday, you know, and we played a, a quick game. Do you guys remember the game last week? It was kind of I name a company, you guys name the product, and we went through some things, and we talked like Jif, peanut butter, you know, Rolex, watch, Starbucks, coffee. But the moment I said church, there were so many answers out there, so many answers. And Jesus really gave us the answer of why we do church on Sundays, why we gather together. And going to Matthew 28, I'll reread it for you guys. Verse 18, Jesus uh, said to his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me is what Jesus says. Now check out verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. And that's why we do church. So we can save souls or win souls, win people to Jesus, but not only that, make disciples. You know, I believe discipleship is not a program or a curriculum. It can be, okay? But I really believe that discipleship is a lifestyle. You know, when you go through scriptures in, in, in the New Testament with Jesus and when he's walking with his disciples, he's, he's doing life with his disciples, you know, he's not telling them to do certain things or act a certain way. He literally is just meeting them where they're at and walking this journey with them, giving them teachable moments, demonstrating the power of God, extending the love, the unconditional love of the Father. And Jesus shares so much of these mysteries, he reveals it to the disciples and ultimately reveals it to us because God knew that discipleship were, was really a lifestyle and I really threw a challenge out there, you know, and actually I wanted people to think about their own life. It's good to check the heart every once in a while. You know that, right? Right, guys? I mean, we go, we get physicals every once in a while. You know, we, 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 we check the way how we do things. You know, we're, we evaluate ourselves because we want to be healthy. The purpose of it is to be healthy. And in a sense, we need to do the same thing spiritually. We need to check our hearts. Because sometimes we can get caught in this uh, routine of things, thinking that, okay, we're good. When we're not supposed to be good, we're supposed to be growing. And, you know, and sometimes we can just be stuck in the routine of, well, I go to church every week. I'm faithfully there. But let me tell you something. Because you go to church every Sunday doesn't make you a disciple. 
Okay, because maybe I, I, I do it certain ways and I follow and I cross the T's and, 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 you know, dot the I's and I do it just right. All my ducks are in a row and I repent when I need to repent. Doesn't make you a disciple. But what makes you a disciple, and not just on Sundays, but every day, what makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ is being a worshiper, <laughs> being a servant, and being a witness. All right. And I think we're pretty good with worshiping on Sunday and serving on Sunday and other days as well. But sometimes we struggle with that, with the whole, I I know they need Jesus and I I don't know if I should share. I got the answer and how do I go in? Because I don't want to look or sound or, you know, be weird to everybody. And that's the hump that we just need to like not just get over but to demolish and say, no, I need a clear path to speak truth when need, need to be. And, and so when we see that, we see that's God's vision for the church. Okay, so last week we talked about the vision of what he had for the church, what the vision he had for this church. And honestly, to give a little plug-in for Growth Track, that's what we talk about for your personal life, how to know God and grow in God, then maybe even go in God. Because when we go, there are other dark areas that need your light. And I want to continue this series on not just the vision for the church that we talked about last week, but what about your life? What about your, what about your spouse's life or their family's life, friends' life, our personal lives? Did you know God has vision for all of us? You know, a lot of times we think vision uh, has, to, has to do with a platform and a microphone and people staring. No, 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 no. My vision started the moment I said yes to Jesus. You know, for those that don't know, it was over there in that back row right there. I was invited to this church. One day, you know, this was four months old. The church was four months old at the time, and they said, hey, come over here. And my, the vision was dropped in my heart for my life, and it started that day, September 4 in 2005. And let me tell you something. When God drops vision, sometimes you hear it as purpose or you'll hear it as identity. But when God drops vision in your heart or in your life, it brings direction, it brings hope, and it brings courage. You see, we have to understand that courage is not an absence of fear, okay? Because sometimes we, we feel it. It'll, it. It's there. But knowing and trusting God, you know what? I'm just going to keep trucking forward. And I'm going to keep moving forward if it means it's for your name and for your sake. God has a vision for your life. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, there's vision in your life. You know, you see how God operates with vision, especially in, and we hear this verse, it's Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, okay? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. God Almighty is speaking this over his people, and you're his people as well. And God has plans for your life no matter where you're at. There is vision for your life. There is vision for my life. I'm going to give you a a testimony. Now, most of you guys know my story, okay, of how I came to Christ. But a lot of you guys don't know this story that I'm about to give you right now, okay? So when I said yes to Jesus back in 2005, it was about a year later that God called me to the school, to, to go to Bible school. Which, by the way, I said no to God. I was like, no way. I said no to God. I said no to the pastor. I said no to my friends. They were all encouraging me. I'm like, no, because my plan was to go to the Air Force. 
And my mom can tell you, great branch, by the way, great branch, okay? But my, my, my mom can tell you I was running like three hours a day to the point where my mom was like, are you going to eat something? But I was like, no, I got a plan. I got vision. I wanna, I'm going to go station in San Antonio and go to, go to a basic training. I got to go to East Lansing. All verbal agreements. No paper agreements. But God had a vision and a plan for my life. You see, I had vision and plan for my life, but God had something different. And so what I thought was God was not. And sometimes when we don't humble ourselves before the Lord, you know what he, God does? Because he loves us so much. He messes it all up like that. He, he messes it all up like that. And let me tell you something. He did this to my life everywhere. And I'm thinking, what is going on in my life? But God had a vision and God had a plan for my life. And I was called to Bible school. And to make a long story short, it was two weeks till class started, and I haven't even applied yet. Two weeks. I haven't even discussed it with my mom yet. And my friend says, hey, come with me. I'm going. And I don't know what it was, but I, now I know it was the power of God. But I didn't know what. I was like, what, what possessed me to say yes? But it was the Spirit of God that made me say yes. And I said Yes. And I said, but there's no way I'm going to get accepted. Two weeks is such a, such a short span. He's like, just do it. And my pastor was like, hey, just do it. And I did it. And a week later, I get accepted. Now I'm going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And now I have to break that news to my mom. <laughs> I said, mom, I'm going to Bible school. And she said, okay, that's awesome. When? Next week. Next week? What? <laughs> and I remember she's like, okay, fine. She kind of like, you know, got it, just digested what I said. And then she asked the big question. She asked the big question. She asked, where is it? I said, in Tulsa, Mom. What? <laughs> you know, and then mom, mom mode came on. But she got me prepared and just, you know, it, it, it cried and, and then launched me to go. And I went to Bible school. There was vision for my life. That's why I had no idea what was going to happen. I was going just trusting God. I go to Bible school. You know, I'm married now with my wife, and, and, and we have our son, Joshua, and we're working on the ministry over there, and we come up with a new plan. This time it's God's plan, by the way. It's God's plan because we're working on ministry in Tulsa. We're doing our thing over there. My wife is working with partner services, you know, giving resources and books to other churches that need it. I'm working on the maintenance department, groundskeeper. I'm supervisor. I work my way up the chain. And I got a 20-man crew. And when Francesca Bettacelli's coming to concert, I'm setting the stage up for her. And when there's Christmas lights going on, I'm making sure it's all good over here. Because my plan and the vision is all God's. But God said no. No, 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 no. He had a vision for my life, and I started taking that vision away, making it my own. He said no. And this is what he did. He messed it up again. And he called me back to Michigan. This is 2010 now. And I'm back in Michigan thinking, we're leaving something good over there. Even our pastor over there saying, are you sure this is a God thing? I remember my wife saying, no, it's not a God thing. We're comfortable here. We love it here. But God was calling us out back to Michigan. And I wanted to obey him. And I said, okay. Because God had a vision for my life. We fast forward a little bit. I moved back to Michigan. It's 2010. And I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life still. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, okay. I gave the vision back to you, God. It's what you want to do. And within a month, someone offers me, actually, this church offers me a position, volunteer basis, to help the zone, middle schoolers out. And my wife and I jumpstart this middle school program here. A year later, they offer us an internship 
an internship for the youth ministry. We become youth pastors now. A few years later, they offered us generations. And now my wife and I are running all generations from nursery to high school, Wednesday night services, junior high, uh, directing nursery, res kids. We fast forward even more. <laughs> I'm offered a children's position at, at the Granville Church, 200 plus kids, you know, a team of 50 people, a staff. It's just, just, it, it just a lot going on. Fast forward even later, and God calls me back here to Holland to lead the church. I share that story because I'm going to let you guys know on a little secret. I didn't sign up for any of this. I didn't. I didn't apply for a position. I didn't say, let me put my resume in. Here you go. Maybe I might get the job. Let me pray about it. All I did was said, God, it's your vision. And when you say go and take that step, I say yes. That's all it was. I share that because every single one of you guys have a, a certain unique vision for your life. I don't know how that looks. You know, I don't know what arena, what road he's given you, but you have a vision that was given by God to you. And he wants to drop it in your heart, but sometimes we resist what he wants because it's uncomfortable for me. Or I'm just so, I, I'm, I know the routine here, and I will flourish here. No, you won't. Because God's not just looking for floors. He's looking for someone to take root and grow and multiply as well, too. You see, because when we think of comfort, we think of just ourselves. When God directly told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. We don't multiply when it's just on our own and it's just about ourselves. What does that vision look like for your life? What is God saying for your life? I mean, we talked about church vision, about how we have a brighter future and there's direction and there's hope. That's the same thing in your life. God has a target of people, by the way, in your life that you're probably going to cross paths, that he's just going to launch you and release you, and you're going to bullseye it every time if you say yes to him. You know, uh, I think it was about a month ago, I was hanging out with some friends uh, at their house, and we're getting ready for November, October, November. We're going uh, bow hunting. I'm going bow hunting for the very first time. So I'm excited. You know, people are telling me, you've been missing out all your life if you haven't hunted. Well, I'm going this fall, okay, and I'm ready. I got a bow, you know, and it's actually my brother-in-law's. He doesn't know, okay, but I have a bow now, <laughs> and you know, I'm just using it right now. But, I, you know, we're going to go this uh, November, and we're just going to hang out. But we were practicing about a month ago, and he has, like, the whole, he has a big backyard, you know, the target's over there, and he's kind of giving me the, the direction and how to, how to draw back. And then just, you know, how to use a little, what do they call it, a scope? A, a what? I heard like three answers. A sight. I just say sight. That's easier, okay? And it's got like a, a red, a green, and a yellow, I believe it, what it is. And he says, I guess the distance between here and there, you, you use that one. And as he's teaching me, I haven't even shot one arrow yet. As he's teaching me, I draw back and I apply what he just taught me. And I release that thing. Guess what I did? Bullseye. It was awesome. It was great. I did it a couple more times, and it was just, it was, it was amazing. I didn't hit bullseye every time, but I definitely got on the bag, and that was a good feeling. I say that because God has a scope or a sight for you, and he's going to give you instructions on how to do it, and whether it's distance or near or arm's reach, whatever it is, God's going to tell you release, and you're going to release it, and you're going to bullseye every time because that's God's vision for your life. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to win. But sometimes we resist his plan because it's a little uncomfortable. I mean, you think about Peter walking on water. I'm pretty sure that was uncomfortable. Think about it. 
he probably was uncomfortable getting out of the boat because in the natural, the safest spot to be is on the boat. But Jesus is saying, get out of the boat, walk on deeper waters, and trust me and keep your eyes on me. Think about the battle that must have been going on in his head. Comfort or trust. Comfort or trust. Not only that, it didn't say anything about the other disciples getting out of the boat. They're all like, no, we're chilling here. We're here. <laughs> Peter, you crazy, man. But we're going to stay here. Temptation. Well, you know, do I do what they're all doing? Or do I do what Jesus is telling me to do? Jesus had vision for him. Jesus had vision for him. Ultimately, when you go to Acts chapter 2, you see Peter being established as one of the first pastors that we've ever seen. And led 3,000 people to Jesus Christ. Got 3,000 people saved and said yes to Jesus. Because God had vision for his life. God has vision for your life too. You know, when you look at the book of Nehemiah, which is a great phenomenal book. The book of Nehemiah, you'll see that Nehemiah has a big task before him. Okay, he, there's something that was dropped in his heart, a vision, to rebuild these walls around his city that are now in ruins. And the Bible was sharing how, how in the book of Nehemiah where, where his face was downcast and the king took notice and knew, man, if his, there has to be something in his heart. That king recognized there's something wrong in his heart. And he asked him, what's, what's going on? I'll paraphrase it, but what's going on? And he shared the sadness he had. My hometown, the walls are in ruin. Those walls were created for protection, and they're ruined. But, my, but God has dropped in my heart a vision. I want to rebuild those walls. I want to rebuild them. Because he shared vision to that king, the king granted him to go and rebuild those walls. But let me share something with you, okay, before I get into the scripture. Did you know Nehemiah had no tools, no resources, he had no people, and he absolutely had no time? <laughs> but he had a vision. He had a vision God gave, us, gave him. Have you ever felt like, I want to do something, and there's a vision in my heart that's going to impact kingdom, but I don't have people, I don't have the tools, I don't have the education, I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, my schedule's so packed. Have you ever feel that way? <laughs> I know I feel that way sometimes. But there's such a burning vision that God's given you in your, in your life. Nehemiah faced that. There was a vision that God dropped in his heart. And despite all those obstacles, he moved forward. And not only that, he accomplished the task. He had structure, he had order, and he rebuilt those walls. Now check it out in Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. It says that the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul, which is in October in our, our time, okay? Going on, it had taken, check this out, it had taken him 52 days to build this wall, which was humongo, huge. 52 days to build it. When all our enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve, okay? They knew that God was behind this vision. Because of vision, Nehemiah rebuilt wall and brought protection. Because of vision, he did it in a record time, 52 days. He had the people and he had the resources. The king saw the need that he needed, and he shared, Nehemiah shared the vision to the king, and the king says, I'm in. I'm in. What do you need? And the king wrote up letters. He made sure he had the wood. 
He made sure he had the people, and because of it, he definitely had the time. Within 52 days, Nehemiah put the vision, and that's record time for building those walls. The way Nehemiah had vision, you have that vision in your heart too because God puts vision in our hearts. You know, there are times where we're going to see the obstacle. We're going to see where it's, where it's, I don't have the time or I don't have the resources. But if you know God's dropped that vision and it is his vision for your life, you will accomplish that task on his timing and when he wants you to do it because it's all going to bring glory to him, by the way. Psalms 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know, this is probably the number one verse I've heard so many times been taken out of context. Just being honest. This one verse has been taken out of context so many times because I believe people are just missing it. They hear something comfortable, and they try to apply that thinking it's God. How many of y'all know that the desires of your heart is not hitting the lotto? Or the desires are not, of your heart is not, not saying, I want a million bucks. God was giving me this in my heart. Oh, I want to be a millionaire. Or I want that. I want this. <laughs> that is not what God is saying in this one scripture. That is totally taken out of context. But what God is saying is what he drops in your heart, he's going to fulfill that desire. Because his desire, his vision for your life now becomes your, your, your desire and your vision for your life. And he will fulfill and meet that I remember the time and season when I was in, and I was thinking, man, I want this, I want that, I want that, all in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was, it was really narrow-minded for me to think that way. But when I started encountering him, and I started saying, man, I don't, I don't care about these things. I want that person and that person and this person to come to you, Jesus. What can I do to be a part of that? That was God's desire put in my, my heart, and he fulfilled that. And because of it, people are coming to Jesus Christ. Where is that in your life? Think about that. Analyze. Check the heart for the spiritual health of your life. Again, it's vision that God drops in people's hearts. And God's vision starts, people, with your heart. It starts with your heart. It started, it started with my heart. And it continues on. 1 Timothy 2, 3 says this. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. To come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants us not just to believe and to be saved, but to learn and come, come, uh, come closer to him. He wants his truth to be revelation and knowledge in our heart. So when someone has a question, we can answer that for them. Or at least show them through scripture. You know, I shared this before, but when I was youth pastoring, um, we did this illustration with goldfish. And I know some of you guys remember that, you know, back in 2012, 13. And the thing it was, I had bought 10 goldfish from the store. Okay? And what I did was I grabbed a goldfish and I pulled it out in a youth sermon or a message. And I said, what do I need to do with this fish for it to breathe? And they said, put it back in the water. They're yelling at me. Right? And so I did. But then I said, what if I grabbed all these fish, and I grabbed all 10 of them, and I said, and I pulled them all the water, and they knew that they were gasping for air, or for water, wait, reverse, you know what I'm talking about. They were dying. <laughs> they were gasping for something, okay? And I threw those fish on the ground. Yeah, <gasps> what? <laughs> That's what they all did, all 20 of them. They were just like going to throw stuff at me. It was crazy, okay? And I threw all those fish on the ground. And I'm telling you, chaos in the youth room. Chaos. Especially with the ladies. What are you doing? 
They're just yelling at me, right? And I, I stood at the pulpit, and they're like flopping, right? They're doing this. And they're just like looking in on what to do. And I, and I just simply yelled this out. What are you going to do about it? And they just got up. They ran. And I've never seen at the beginning, which was gross to touch, was now, I don't care if it's gross, grab the fish and throwing them into the bowl. Every single one of them. And save those fish. Except one. I'm just joking. <laughs> save those fish. And then there was this aha moment. They knew the answer when these fishes were dying. They went, didn't care how disgusting it was, gave them the answer, put them up, and put them where they could live. And I, and I threw this challenge to them. How many times do we see people in our life gasping for air, feeling like, it's over with my life, or I, there's no hope or no future. And you have the answer. You have the answer to minister to them or share Christ to them. You have the vision that was dropped in your heart to give to them so they can now have purpose and vision for their life. That is God's purpose and plan for all our lives. Or do we just let them sit and flop as they suffer? You know, I'm going to reread Timothy again, that I, what I just read, but just verse 4, because this is God's vision for people. All people, by the way, okay? Not just a selected people. All people, okay? It says, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all people. So that person that we might be thinking, well, that's just hopeless over there. Like, I tried many times. He still wants them. He still wants them. And he needs you to reach them. You just need to ask God, okay, what's the vision for this? What can I do to bridge that gap? Tell me what I need to do. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will show you and teach you and guide you to all truth so they can have truth in their life as well, too. Maybe there's, maybe there's a, a season that you're going through right now, or maybe even right now you're feeling where, like, okay, I, I got this, I grasp it, I know there's a vision in my life, but how do I start this thing in my life? Well, number one, it always starts with Jesus Christ, accepting him, okay? Uh, but I'm going to give you a, a couple of things real quick that you can apply to your life, all right? And the first one is God's vision for your life starts when you surrender, now here's the key word, your whole life to him. Okay, not some, not just Sundays, but your entire being, your entire schedule, your entire of you <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. When you surrender your whole life to him, that's when you start seeing vision in your life. Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Romans 12 says this, therefore I urge you, brothers... Okay, in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What? This is your spiritual act of worship. You mean it doesn't require music all the time? No. You mean it doesn't have to be dim in a room and I have to look at the worship team? No. It doesn't. You worship your God with the acts that you give and with the heart that you express of Christ and his love. When you allow vision to come out of you and to just be exposed to people and do what he wants for your life, you are in an act of worship. That's awesome. That's great. So you don't have to know how to sing. You just have to know how to act according to the way God wants us to act. Continuing on. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then. Okay, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And look how he finishes this off. He says, his good and pleasing and perfect will. 
It's good, it's going to be pleasing, and it is perfect for your life when you see it through his perspective. You know, when we surrender, we don't just know the vision of God, we catch the vision of God. There's a difference. We can know what God wants, but then we can catch what he has for us. And when we are caught and consumed by the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, we want more. We want more. That's why Jesus commissions his disciples, be fishers of men. Go catch them. Share vision. Show them the truth. Let them know there are promises that we sing all the time about that they can also sing about as well too. And experience and apply. There's a difference between knowing vision and catching the vision. Are you catching the vision he has for your life? Because when you surrender, you start seeing God uh, just manifest a vision before you. It also says uh, to be transformed and renewed daily. Look, you can't be transformed until you have let go of your ways, until you let go of your words, your habits, and your, ultimately your own plan. Because God has a plan for you way bigger than what we have. He wants to fulfill something, and guess what? You don't have to sign up for it. <laughs> he will lay it before you because it is his plan for your life. Number two, God's vision for your life starts when you obediently pursue God's will. You're obediently pursuing his will for your life, not his will for their life. I think sometimes we get caught on that. You need to do, and you need to, and you. No, 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 no. How about we do this? God, what do I need to do? What's my will? I mean, let's talk to married couples for a second. We tend to look at the other spouse when we think it's all because of them. <laughs> and God, I think you need to talk to them. Or am I the only one that does that? <laughs> Don't leave me alone up here. <laughs> My wife knows, and I've repented. <laughs> I said, sorry, baby. Forgive me. <laughs> but here's the thing. It all comes back to this. When we obediently pursue his will for my life. And he said, be a husband the way I told you to be a husband, then I will follow that. Be a, be a father, be a pastor, be a son, be a whatever he wants me to be, I have to follow that. You know, in John 14, 21, Jesus says this, whoever has my commands and obeys them, okay, and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too, Jesus says, will love him and show myself to him. There's obedience, watch God reveal himself to you. Where there's obedience, watch the blessings chase you. It is the obedience of what God has for your life. It is doing what Christ is asking you to do. He will never push you, and he will never push you to the edge, over the edge. He wants you to just obey his word and what he set for you because he knows what's best for us. And he wants you to succeed and win in this. Number three, okay, God's vision for our life starts when you start searching for the scriptures like hidden treasure. When you start searching his scriptures like if it's a hidden treasure. I mean, there are many times when I was a kid, it was always fun playing this game where we hide something and we had to search for it. When is it hot and cold? You guys know what I'm talking about? You're getting hot, you're getting hot, you're getting hot. Oh, you're getting cold, you're getting cold. You ever get frustrated at that game? I get frustrated all the time. Because I still play with my kids. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? And they laugh at me. But it's like, it's, it, it, you know, when we go to his word, when we search his word like hidden treasure, it's like, you're getting hot, you're getting hotter, you're getting hotter. And it gets exciting. It gets exciting because you start seeing new things in your life. You're like, oh, I didn't know I could do these impossible things. I didn't know God wanted me. I didn't know my identity was in him. I didn't know because of Christ's obedience, <laughs> I'm made righteous. Because we search his word 
like hidden treasure. I think the perfect example in the scriptures comes out of the book of Acts, chapter 17. There's this group of people called the Berians, okay, from Beria, all right? And Paul teaches this church, okay, he teaches these people. The apostle Paul we're talking about, who came to them and is teaching them the word of God. And check out what they do. All right, because of the teaching, they just received the word of God from Paul. Check out what they did. In Acts 17, 10, it says that that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, check this out, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded. Other translations will say more of noble character. Okay, They were more of noble character than those of the uh, Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Now check what they did right after that. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. They could care less how godly they looked. The truth in the scriptures was their final word. When someone speaks to you and you have conversations of God, don't be so quick to just grasp it and say, I'm going to run with that because that's what that person says. Go to the scriptures, read for yourself, search it like it's hidden treasure, and watch it line up to what God has for your life and watch you learn. I pray all the time that you guys are searching my words in scripture because that makes you go to your Bible. That makes you go to your Bible. I'm just saying it right now. Everything I, I preach, I, I want to make sure it lines up with the word, but I want you guys to be of noble character as well. Go back to the word. Re-listen to some things. Check it out and go to scripture and watch God speak to you in a personal level. Watch God reach you and show you more vision for his life because his word is final. His word is final. And the fourth one is this. God's vision, and I'll close it with this one. God's vision for your life starts when the vision becomes practice in our life. When the vision starts manifesting or becomes an action in our life. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this. Don't you realize that the race, that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? <laughs> one person only gets the prize. So run to win is what he says. There's purpose. There's a target. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step is what Paul says. He's given us an example of how we need to run our race. Because when, train, uh, when, when people and athletes train for a natural prize, God's saying when you do the same thing in the spiritual realm, you're gaining an eternal prize. And the moment you say yes to his vision and to his way, guess what? You win. You win. But he says take every step with purpose, with a target, no matter where you're at. Don't let anything, no hurdle, no obstacle disqualify you from the race he has for you vision for your life you know last week I quickly shared about church vision we can believe that you know we talked about the vision of why we do church through scripture we believe that but I think a lot of people struggle with the vision they have for just their own personal life you need to believe that because I think sometimes we can just be too hard on ourselves we become our own worst critics 
And what tends to happen is we just step away from the race. And we see all this excitement and this joy and this, this favor that people are going through, and we have this pity party in ourselves. And what happened is God didn't take anything away from you. We just decided to step back away from it. And God's saying, jump back in there. Watch me do me in your life and release everything else. Let's all close our eyes and bow our head for a second.